Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so man, the city of Austin, Texas had a lot going on this week. We had a guy that decided he was just going to drive around town and start shooting innocent people. Charles Curry, 29, who police said is linked to the July 11 shooting spree and a murder that happened at a South Austin apartment complex just days prior was acting strangely the day of the shooting spree and attempted to buy a gun suppressor, according to an arrest affidavit. So Charles Curry, 29, who police say is linked to that July 29th murder of Christian Maroney. And Curry, what he did was, so he was a suspect in Wednesday's shooting spree. And on Saturday, the murder warrant had been issued to Curry and he had also been charged for the murder. Now, Curry's cash bond uh, for this crime was set at $3 million cash and also aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, $250,000 cash and surety, uh, surety bond. Now, an employee for the range at Austin, so this guy basically what he did was he walked into the range of Austin and he said, hey, I want to buy a suppressor. And they were like, well, dude, you know, you just can't walk into the gun store and buy a suppressor and walk out with it. You know, there's a process for it. You actually have to come in, you decide which suppressor that you want, then you have to pay a $200 tax, you have to fill out some paperwork, get your photo, your fingerprints taken, uh, and then turn that paperwork into the ATF, and once they approve it, a year later, then you can walk out of the gun store with it. So it takes about, it's a year process or a little shorter. You know, in order to get a suppressor, because those items are registered. We actually register NFA items, National Firearms Act items. So we're talking about suppressors, machine guns, AOWs, any other weapons. Those items, they are registered in the state of, well, in the country, really. Uh, they're actually registered. We don't register regular guns. So your, your regular pistols that you have, those are not registered. But the NFA items, they're registered. So you can't just walk into a gun store and walk out with it the same day. So he was frustrated by this process, and so he comes out of the range of Austin. He pulls out in his, in, uh, in his vehicle there, and he pulls out. He cuts off another vehicle. Well, the vehicle that he cut off, there was a lady in that vehicle, and he decided to start firing rounds at her. So one victim told the police, you know, she was driving northbound on Interstate Highway 35 and approached the range of Austin when Curry pulled out in front of her, and the victim reportedly told police, this caused her to switch lanes and go around the SUV. 
and police said at that point, Curry started shooting at the victim's vehicle. Now, according to the police, one bullet gazed the left portion of the victim's forehead, and the second bullet entered the victim's driver's side door. Now, at 2.06 p.m., July 12th, officers responded to an 8100 block of the interstate of Highway 35 northbound service road for reports that shots had been fired. Now, a 33-year-old woman suffered a superficial gunshot to the head. She had three children in the vehicle with her, and she was taken to a hospital and is recovering well, according to the police. A second shooting was reported shortly after in the 5300 block of Ponciani Drive. Now, police received a third call from the Post South Lamar apartment at 1500 block of South Lamar Boulevard. Chacon, well, basically what, basically what happened was it was unclear whether a person was fired or if anyone was injured in, in that incident. Um, and so, yeah, they're still trying to figure that out. But then Travis County Sheriff's deputies reported that the last shooting incident happened around the 6300 block of Bob Wentz Park Road. So basically what this guy did was he just got frustrated because he couldn't get he couldn't walk out of the gun store with a a suppressor. So then he jumped in this vehicle to start, start shooting random people. And then he decides to go to Lake Travis and just take a stroll around the lake in his boat to calm down a little bit. So then he finished going, you know, taking his trip around on the boat there and he goes back to the post apartments. And meanwhile, the residents at the post are just unaware of what's going on. The people that work there just, just kept, kept them in the dark. So, you know, other apartment complexes were like, say, look, dude, you know, you guys got someone that's living in that apartment complex at the post apartments that's shooting and killing people. You know, you guys need to, you know, pay attention to what's going on. They're like, what do you mean? We don't know what's happening here. Man, they were just you know, the blind leading the blind. They had no idea this guy lived in the post apartments. And he actually killed someone on Monday. Crazy. So investigators used the surveillance video taken from the I-35 shooting to identify a suspect vehicle. They determined that the white Chevy Tahoe belonged to 29-year-old Charles Curry, who was later arrested at the post-South Lamar apartments around 6 p.m. Curry was driving when he shot at the victims. Also, the victims in Wednesday's shooting appeared to have been targeted just randomly. Who does that? This shot a woman in the forehead and it grazed off? Yes. She was lucky. God. That's a lucky woman right Talking there. Talking about God there. Uh-huh. Praising the Lord and past the ammunition. That guy had some steam he needed to blow off. Yeah, yeah, well, you know. Should have gone to the lake first. It, no, yeah, exactly. Just, you know, just let it go. First, yeah. Come take a class. You know, we need go to... do some yoga. Yes. Yeah, conflict resolution. Yeah. You know? Well, according to the affidavit, police uh, then went to the post-South Lamar apartment complex and saw Curry attempting to get into the side door of an apartment building. And police said it is possible he may have been a resident here, a resident there. Now, according to the police, the apartment complex revoked Curry's building access, which caused his keys to no longer work. So it is confirmed that Curry worked at the Texas legislature. He worked at the Capitol. Yeah, he worked for Senator Joan Huffman. Mm, yeah, for a period of time. Uh, Curry also worked for a political consulting firm called the Murphy Nasica. According to Murphy, Nasica Curry worked for them for 22 days. Now, they're playing, you know, uh, he just worked 22 days. And so after working there for a little while, he decided that he was going to go. You know, he just disappeared on us. And they didn't know what was going on. So when he came back, they're like, dude, 
you just disappeared for like a week or two. You got to go. You know, they're like, he was an employee. He was an employee. They hired him. They're just trying to play. Whoa, something happened. This guy killed some people. We need to distance ourselves from this guy. So they're playing, you know, they're playing crazy now. So Charles Curry was employed in the office of Senator Joan Huffman for no, from November 2nd, 2016 until terminated on May 5th, 2017. According to uh, the chief of staff there in that office, he was hired as a temporary employee for the 85th legislature. On March 20, 2018, employees at an office at 2000, I'm sorry, 816 Congress Avenue filed a complaint with building security after Curry walked into the office and threatened two staff members. There's a lot going on there. This guy also, you know, reportedly dated a couple of women in the town. They went on random dates, and what happened was one lady said, you know, she went on a date with this guy, and he was acting really strange. So she said, you know what, I got to... I got to go to the restroom. So I'm going to go to the restroom and she just disappeared. We're going to talk about that and more. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Brittany Glaze and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Listen to your favorite shows. Keep up with the latest breaking news and more anytime at Talk1370.com. Talk1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so today we're going to talk about Cody Wilson. We got him inside the studio. He's going to talk to us about DIY guns, do-it-yourself guns, and the case that he won against the government, the feds, the big man, the man, the people. That's right. He won the fight for the people. Also, the Texas Tribune. You know what? They had an event this past week where they had, they, you know, some young Republicans come out and talk about, you know, the issues that the young Republicans are concerned about. But the funny thing about the event that the Texas Tribune had was that they had someone, the only female on the panel, work for Beto O'Rourke. I mean, I'm sorry, Robert, you know, that white guy that's trying to portray himself as being a Mexican. I'm just calling it like I see it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So this, they had this this chick on the on the panel and she was representing, you know, Republicans, and she actually worked for the Beto O'Rourke campaign. What a joke. They need to be ashamed of themselves. Hey, Michael, you need to start talking about the World Cup. Okay? Hey, I mean, okay. far more right. exciting. Okay, all right. I'm going to get out of your head, but I want, I, for those that were just listening, this is Max Miller. and Max these, is these in guys, the house. These guys gate-crashed my show, so I decided to stick around just to be a thorn in their side. But so tell them about the World Cup. Actually, it was great. Did you did you watch it? No, you didn't. Mm. Oh, did America you wasn't in it. Nope, I didn't well, yeah, but the World Cup was actually very exciting, and uh, I didn't watch the France one today because I'd lost interest. But England playing. <laughs> well, seriously, it's the French, right? But England watching. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. But England watch England playing on uh, playing. Uh, how the hell did they play? Uh, Croatia was really great. Oh, okay. it was really really good. So you you should get out there. You got you got to get some exercise, man. You could you could lose a few pounds. Oh. You got, you got to get out there and maybe play oh, soccer. Oh, he's throwing shade. No, All that's right. it. I'm going to leave now. On that happy, <laughs> on 
that happy note, oh. I'll let you get back to talking about My silencers goodness. and all these other suppressors. things. Suppressors. Suppressors, wow. not silencers. It's it's not silent, people. It's a suppressor. Oh, okay, all right. Well, I'm going to get out of your hair. Oh, you Max, it. don't leave us, no, Max. No, 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 no. I got to go, man. I got to okay. go. I just wanted to stick around for one second. The World so. Cup. It was great. America, America's not in it. 2026. We're not interested. It'll be 2026. Rehearsed. We'll see in 2026. <laughs> Actually, it could be maybe you'll get in in 2022. That'd be nice. You never know, right? You could. We, I mean, I really know. Having the United States in the World Cup. When were they last in? Last time. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. It was really, really That's exciting. when it's only important. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually at an airport. <laughs> oh, I was actually at an airport lounge. You know, one of those lounges where they, they had the World Cup on behind the bar. Right. And uh, I got told off by a by a lady who was drunk, telling me that I, I think should she be, was sober. She wasn't. She was pretty buzzed. <laughs> she was pretty buzzed. I'm calling time. BS. I'm going to say no, she was no, sober. No, man. She, uh, she did not like a Brit there at the time. I well, you that. know. Hey, what can I say? All right. God save the queen. God save the queen. We <laughs> like you, Max. <laughs> Unless it's Donald Trump and then he Hey, whoa. They'll talk about my president. Oh, my God. Here we go. Right, <laughs> He's All my right. president. He's your president. Uh, He's our president. He's the president. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All right. Thank you, Max you Miller. Bye, Max. All right, so we're going to bring in, man, we're going to bring in Felicia. She's going to talk to us about the Hill Country Republicans and the event that they have going on uh, this coming Saturday. And and then also, I got to ask Felicia about the Texas Tribune, because the Texas Tribune had an event that it was supposed to be a young Republican event. But then the funny thing was, you know, there is one female on the panel instead of having the people from the Young Republican Federation. You know, you would think, right? They would have the Young Republican Federation on this panel. But no, they grabbed the female who was on the Beto, I'm sorry, Robert O'Rourke campaign. How does that work? How does that work? Yeah, that event was infuriating. (laughs) I was standing in the back drinking wine wondering why the heck I was here. You need to be drunk. This obviously wasn't a Young Republican event and it was false branding. I was livid. (laughs) I was absolutely livid. Crazy. I mean, I always knew the Texas Tribune was a joke, but come on. I could have planned a better event than that in 12 hours. Wow. And had better speakers there, there, and a better turnout. Well, there was one guy that was really good. He was with the um, uh, the Young Conservatives. Um, YCT at UT, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was, man, he was a great speaker. He was the only, he was actually more partisan than the other three individuals on the on the panel. He held his ground. And and he's Young Conservatives. He's not even a partisan, technically a partisan organization. Um, the fact that the Texas Tribune had the gall, the audacity mm. to put... A Democrat on, mm. a, on a panel for a Republican event. Shame. Um, Shame. When there's so Shame. many, when there's so many strong Republican women here in Austin. Shame. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was I was so upset. I was because Republican women already have a bad rap, and now it looks like now they're setting the stage for they couldn't even find a Republican woman, which is just completely. They didn't even try. Exactly. It, it's completely. And we reached yes. out. We reached out numerous times. Yes, we I have out. email threads with um, the organizers. One of the organizers. Yes. We had YRs from all over the state commenting on their Facebook event saying, "Why didn't you reach out to the Texas Young Republican Federation?" You know the name of the or- the you name know, of the event that you're having. The nationally acclaimed state. Uh, the nationally acclaimed organization that has a state chapter here. I'm in just going to pretend I'm a genie for right now. Let's just Google. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The crap works. Just Google. Yeah. Unreal. Oh, I mean, uh, we have a fellow YR here. His name is Dustin. Dustin, and he's step up actually to the mic. he's actually the one who pointed out to us that the only female on the panel wasn't even a Republican female. What's up with that, Dustin? Yeah, so you know, we're sitting there, and she's like, kind of, you know, being nervous. She's watching her questions, and we're like, this doesn't seem right. 
And so I'm sitting next to a staffer of a congressional candidate. He's one of the district managers. I'm sitting next to the president of the young conservatives at that girl's school. And she's like, she's not even a uh, Republican. And he looks over, he goes, she's been volunteering for our opponent knocking doors. <laughs> so we start Googling her real quick just to make sure we have it because we we're going to call her out. And we're looking it up. And, you know, of course, she's like in her on her Facebook. She's got pro Wendy Davis. <gasps> like she's like, you know, like, her speech was the most inspirational thing ever in her filibuster. <gasps> Beto volunteer groups. Um, and so here's what I did. So we were going to ask a question. Of course, the panel ended by the time we could you know raise our hand. And I, 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 I talked to her afterwards and I said, hey, you know, like, why were you on that panel? I was very nice to her. I was polite. I didn't want to like put her in a corner. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I'm actually not Republican. I'm an independent. Now, if you look at the group she's also in, she's president of, like, these center-left groups. So anyone who knows her, like, she never actually claimed to be Republican. And she told me she, when she interviewed with the New, uh, Texas Tribune in a previous article, like, they pressured her into doing the doing the uh, event. So oh, she's claiming a victim. Yeah, no, so she's claiming a victim. She was like— Typical, a, conser- a, typical liberal right she there. She said, I voted, in a Texas, I voted in the Texas Republican primaries, so they asked me to be on the panel. I'm an independent, yada, yada. Of course, all the groups she's in are center-left. Um, and yeah, she never even claimed to be Republican. So the whole time, I mean, I worked for the Trump campaign in Pennsylvania. I'd be happy. I'd be fine if there was an anti-Trump Republican on the panel. That's mm-hmm. fine. It's a tr- young Republican and Trump event. But like, at least, if you want to put an anti-Trump Republican, that's fine. But at least get an anti-Trump Republican, not an anti-Trump Democrat. Right. 100%. I mean, you can classify me as an anti-Trump Republican. I didn't vote for him in the primary. didn't vote for him in the general. I support him now as POTUS. But I mean... I still have very strong opinions about him. Sorry, don't give me that look because I didn't vote for Trump. Um, I'll forgive you. <laughs> most people have at this point. I, I stand by him when he makes good decisions, and I call him out when he makes bad decisions, just like I would do any, or just like I do any elected official. POTUS is not immune to my search history. <laughs> yeah. going, going back real quick to the uh, that panel, too. I mean, the, the, the girl next to me... Um, was actually president of the, the white the young conservatives, and she and she got offended because there was one question they said, "What's it like being a young Republican on campus?" And she's like, "Oh, it's fine. You know, everyone gets respects our political views on campus, whatever." And the girl sitting next to me literally gets attacked on campus every single day, and she goes, "We mm-hmm. even go to the same school." Mm. So that Talking was about civility. That was really frustrating. I also thought it was interesting that she went to Texas A and M, which is going to be one of the more conservative leaning universities in the state. We have a young Republican club in Brazos County. They have a strong college Republicans club there as well. So I was a little um, baffled when she said that she didn't really see any political organizations engaged on campus (gasps) because I see posts of their political events all the time on my feed just because of who I've networked with. So she's either not paying attention or she wasn't being 100% honest. Mm. And I get that. You know, they asked her to do it because she had previously interviewed with them. But that's just bad journalism. Texas Tribune, you should do better. I'll even tell you the best part. Afterwards, I approached the uh, person in charge of the panel, the one who was doing the questions. Mm-hmm. And I approached her about it, and she was just, like, starting to stutter. She was like, I, I, we vet all of our candidates. I'm so sorry. And she, she like, just left the event. Oh, and they all left the event yeah. within, like, 10 minutes of calling it to a close. <laughs> like, we're out. Yeah. This, the serving staff was like, where? Do you know where the organizers are? Peace. And I was, like, pretty sure they all left after this embarrassment. <laughs> womp womp. All right. So you guys have an event coming up this week. Yeah. We have the William B. Travis Leadership Summit here in Austin, Texas on July 21st. Nice. All right. So let me bring in uh, Cutter to uh, – Cutter to the mic here. Cutter on the phone line, line one. Cutter, what's this event that's going on with the, the Hill Country Republicans? 
Hey, y'all. Um, yeah, so we have a great event planned for Saturday. Um, we're touching a bunch of different topics. Um, we we kind of we wanted to do a leadership training for our internal group, but then we thought, why not go big? You know, that's what Republicans do, and that's when we win, as we go big, right? And our if our president has taught us one thing, is that we like to win big, and we make the best deals. And uh, so that has certainly come true with this leadership summit, where we've brought in speakers from around the state, from great organizations like TFRW, which is Texas Federation of Republican Women, uh, from the top levels of the state judiciary, um, all the way to, you know, local officials from the Travis County Republican Party and others. Um, and we've just put together a really great slate of events that is, is sure to uh, engage and inspire anyone from any background who decides to attend. All right. Yeah, so we are really excited for the panels that we're going to have. Um, I know that Cutter is doing kind of a organization-type presentation. So if you have a new a new group or a new organization or you have an old organization that's kind of lost its way, how to kind of ask yourself the key questions. Who are we? What do we do? What do we want to do? And how are we going to do it? And so he's going to be helping organizations kind of get back on their feet. You know, we're going into the midterm election, so that'll be a great refresher. Um, I'm doing some social media training, um, some website development training, what to post, what not to post, how to engage appropriately and not look like a jerk. Um, and then after the break, I can go through some of our speakers and our sponsors and let you know how you can get tickets and how you can get involved and join us next Saturday. That's right. We're trying to find out what the young people are doing to change the world, uh, to you know get involved in politics. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hey, this is AWR Hawkins, Bright Bark News. You're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Listen to Talk 1370 anywhere with your Amazon Echo. Just ask Alexa to play Talk 1370. Now playing Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, they're trying to slow me down a little bit, but I'm not ready to slow down. I'm still piped up. I'm hyped up, ready to go. We got Cody Wilson in the studio, and Cody, Cody is the most dangerous man on the internet. Let me tell you, Cody. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, someone's got to be so crazy. It's it, it, the most dangerous person we know on the internet, and and I'm going to tell you about his story. We're going to talk about Cody, but before we get to Cody, we're talking about the Hill Country Young Republicans. They have an event coming up. And let me tell you, this event you got, if you're anybody, you're somebody, you want to be somebody, you're trying to get something started, you're trying to start an organization, you're trying to get some things happening, you want to be at this event. Yeah, so we are excited to have everyone. A quick rundown of the speakers that we have. We have House Representative Kyle Biederman. Uh, we have Melissa Goodwin from the Texas Third Court of Appeals. Mm. We have Jason Isaac, who, until the general election, is also a House representative. And he's also the Texas Conservative Coalition Research Institute president. Nice. We have our county chair here in Travis County, Matt Makovia. He knows how to raise some money. He does. And we have Kevin Patrick Geary from the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. 
We also have Karen Newton, who's president of Texas Federation of Republican Women, because contrary to what the Texas Tribune thinks, mm. there are actually competent Republican women in the world Bam. who don't work for the Robert O'Rourke campaign. Oops. Um, shout out to our awesome sponsors, Log Cabin Republicans of Austin. That's what I'm talking about. Texas Federation of Republican Women and the Texas or the Travis County Republican Party. Let me tell you, so- the Republican women, there's some <laughs> man, they are the ladies. They make it happen. You do the not want to make them angry. You do not want to piss Ever. off the Republican women. Let me tell you, they make it happen right there. Um, and so if you're a member of any of those organizations, you actually get into the event for free. You know, we're not trying to make money off of this. We're trying to empower the millennial generation. We're trying to teach you guys and organizations how to effectively use social media, not end up in Facebook jail like Michael Carter. <gasps> um, and, so. and just get your message out there and interact with voters because we have a lot to lose and win on the ballot in November. Yeah, you know, well, you know. You know, sometimes you go out there, you you share things, you say some things, and, you know, the Facebook police, you know, they, they kind of catch you and they just, you know, lock you up. You're in timeout right now? You know, it, they're racist. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, always because he's black. I'm going to pull the race card. <laughs> hey, if you got it, man. I'm a black man. That's why they put me in jail. Book <laughs> him if you got it. That's right. All right, so let's go to line one. Uh, Cutter, you know, Cutter, what's this event? What's the date of the event, Cutter? Yeah, for the event this Saturday, um, starting at 10.30 and going all the way till I think, 6 p.m. Felicia, correct me if I'm wrong. You know all about this, too. Um, and, I mean, from start to finish, it's just a full slate of events, like Felicia was saying. And so, and, and Cutter, where is the event? It's going to, so the first session in the morning before lunch will take place at the Texas Capitol. Um, and then the afternoon sessions will be on the University of Texas campus. You know, every time you say the Texas Capitol, you know, I think of the, you know, the best little whorehouse in Texas when the, the governor was like singing around the, you know, the, for, okay, I'm sorry. I just drove, dozed off there for a few minutes. My bad. We're going to dump that. <laughs> <laughs> the producer's like, flush that right now. <laughs> flush that one. It was a good song. I enjoyed that one. But go ahead. You know, so we're talking, it's going to be at the Capitol and it's this Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be at the Capitol in the morning, and then we'll break for lunch, and then we'll all head to uh, the University of Texas campus, which is obviously in walking distance because they touch the Capitol and the, the, the campus. Um, and we'll pick up with some more events there. And at, at UT is where all of our panels will take place, as well as Felicia's presentation on social media, which is a you won't want to miss that, certainly, because that's probably the number one tool uh, to have in your pocket when doing any kind of political action these days. Nice. All right, man. I, I, so, Cutter, we got to catch this. Uh, so, who are the sponsors again? Yeah, so we have Law Cabin Republicans of Austin, uh, which has been super, super helpful with this event and, and of the YRs in general. So, deeply thankful for them. Uh, we also have Texas Federation of Republican Women, and those ladies have supported our YR club in all of its days. Um, and then also we have the Travis County Republican Party, which has welcomed this club into Austin. Um, with open arms, and they have all just been exceptional in planning for this and uh, making it all happen. All right, and then one more time, when is this event and where? Saturday, July 21st, this coming Saturday from 10.30 to 6 p.m., starting at the Texas Capitol and then moving over to to UT in the afternoon. Now, do I need to register for this event? You should register for this event. We have an Eventbrite and we have a Facebook, um, which if you go to facebook.com slash hillcoyr, that's H-I-L-L-C-O-Y-R. Um, you can find it on there really easily. But if you can't register or you forget your ticket or something like that, you're, of course, welcome to come, and we'll let you in no problem. Nice. Now, next time, I want to see you inside the studio, not at the lake. 
I know. Well, I'm at the I'm at the beach now. I I got called out to work in Matagorda County tomorrow morning, and so I had to, you know, it was a real chore. So I had to come to the beach ahead of time. What? Oh my goodness! It must be nice getting a little tan there. All right, we'll, I know. We'll stay nice and stay warm. And for right, everyone joining us right now on Facebook Live, I posted the link to the event in the comments so that you don't have to go and search for it. It's just right there. Nice. All right. Thank you, Cutter. We show appreciate you coming on and, and tell us about this event because we need of to course, find out how to push our, our different organizations out there and work that social media and just learn from the, you know, we got to learn from a lot of speakers. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Cutter. You enjoy the rest of your weekend. Y'all too. All right. All right, so now we have Cody Wilson in the hot seat. So, yeah, all eyes are on Cody. So, Cody is the man of the hour. He told us about this about a month or two ago. I teased you with it, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, he teased us a little bit. He said, you know, Michael, I got something big coming. It's real big. I told you it was going to be big. It's so big, I can't tell I don't you. think you know how big it is, though, do you? I, I don't. It's yeah. actually a huge machine. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. No, it ain't even the machine, man. It's so, the me, idea of, of it all. Tell me what you heard. All right, so basically what I understand is that there was a lawsuit, okay? And first of all, let's go back. Me and Cody met, you know, a while back. You know, we met at UT, you know, and somebody said, you know, you got to meet this guy, you know, Cody Wilson. I'm like, yeah, okay, who is he? He's a college student. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Mm. I met a bunch of college students at mm. UT. And so I met Cody, and he had all, I mean, Cody just started talking. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm intrigued right now. And so I started listening to Cody, and he, he started talking about, you know, the future. He started talking about firearms, and he started talking about a lot of other stuff, and he got really deep with it. A lot of people don't get deep. They get really shallow. And I said, hold on. This guy, he's talking wave above everyone's heads right now. He's, he's like, so deep, and they don't understand what he's saying. They're not really listening to what he's saying. They're just, they're just picking out a word here and a word there. They're not really deep into it. I said, he's talking about you know, the world and changing everything that we know. He's talking about the technology. He's talking about, you know, the, you know, getting that information and just giving it all to the people. Well, you don't need to go out anywhere and buy it. You can build it at your, you know, inside your home. I said, this is deep. So I, I brought Cody over to Central Texas Gunworks. And so we're sitting inside my office and we're talking and I'm just like, man, I said, God, you know, Cody, this is, this is too much, you know, because, you know, we talked about, you know, actually bringing a, a 3D printing machine inside the office. And I said, you know, I don't know, this, this is, that's a lot, you know, because I cause a lot of trouble as it is. <laughs> and then you're talking about bringing some serious heat. You know, I, you know, I cause heat and you're talking about bringing, you know, twice as much heat. I don't think we could do that in one location. They're bound to just blow us up. <laughs> so you, you had all the heat, man. Yeah, yeah. And I even joked about it. I said, you know what? As a matter of fact, when you walk out of my office here and you get in your car, your car starts and it kind of hesitates, you might want to jump out and run. <laughs> <laughs> and you actually put that in your book. I did. I remember that conversation, man. That was, that was a good time. And I, I was serious about that. I'm like, dude, seriously, you're, you start your car. That sucker doesn't start. You might want to jump out and run. That spring, we printed the first 3D printed gun. And, uh, and there was a lot of heat. You're right. And then for five years, I had to sue the the U.S. government because they tried to they tried to stop it. All because you were you're talking about 3D printing, you know, 3D printing of firearms, mm -hmm. and and it's not really just about firearms, but that's just where it started. That's right. I it's, started a big file sharing site on the internet where everybody started trafficking and all the the CAD data related to all all guns, not just printable guns. A lot of times, like I heard NPR in Austin, they're like, "Well, I don't get it. 
What they don't about, understand. What it. about plastic guns? When they're why, talking why, about why it, it they matter? really don't understand. It ain't about plastic guns. It's about this idea, like this demonstrated idea that the state has no longer a function in controlling one, my access to the plans for a gun, my ability to produce the plans for the gun, my ability to reproduce the actual artifact containing the plans for the gun, and then it didn't tell me uh, that I could have it. There's no numbers on the gun. We've controlled every aspect of of the production and the digital reproduction of, of these plans, and now uh, now the DOJ has run away from it informally authorized our work here in Austin, Texas. And so basically what they did was they demanded that you take down the printable gun blueprints or, you know, and face, you know, prosecution for violating federal and export controls. And so what people don't understand is we're talking about the ITAR, the International Trade and Arms Regulation, which there certain things about that I don't understand. You know, if you're a gun dealer, you know, you have an FFL, you're a manufacturer, and you have an SOT, Special Occupations License, you should be able to do just about anything. But instead, you know, if you actually go through the process of manufacturing, then you have to pay a certain amount of money to the federal government. That's, you know, there's a fee. That's an ITAR fee. I don't understand that. I'm going to tell you, you don't have to understand it now because we beat the ITAR just like we beat it 20 years ago on encryption. And now the American rifleman doesn't have to. It's it's code of speech. The code a for private guns, individual doesn't. The code for guns is speech. No, I'm, what I'm, all I'm trying to tell you is ITAR no longer applies. This is what happened in my settlement. ITAR okay. no longer applies to the data related to guns up, Why? To, up to 50 caliber. The government decided they didn't want to fight the fight. They didn't want to have so to. So that means no one now, no, no manufacturer has to pay the ITAR fee is what it you're saying. No, it doesn't mean it. it's not about manufacturers. It's about does an American have the right to have this data? Does an American have the right to share this data on the Internet up to 50 cal? And the State Department says we don't control this. We have, not, we have no part in this. It's a free economy of this information. So you're talking about the federal government is admitting that the AR-15 is not a military-style weapon. That was one of the outcomes of this settlement. The base, the M4. The feds themselves the said AR. All, all arms up to 50 cal are inherently the non- The assault weapon. Inherently non-military is their quote. Now, this is, this is armament that we can use in briefs that we'll be using once Kavanaugh is confirmed. And this is, this is stuff that goes beyond just what I was doing. This is a, a gift that you have in the present for the Second Amendment. All right. So we're talking with Cody Wilson. And two months ago, the Department of Justice quietly offered Wilson, uh, Cody, this settlement. You know, they said, you know, they're going to end this lawsuit. And he and his group of co-plaintiffs, you know, they pursued this since 2015. He said, you know what? They're going to settle this, this suit that he has against the federal government. They're going to and he's going to win. You know, he won this suit. They say we give we throw in the towel. We're just going to let Cody win this because we're wrong. We don't want to do this fight. We're talking with Cody Wilson. He's the most dangerous man on the internet. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is State Representative Jonathan Sticklin, and you are listening to Come and Talk It on Talk 1370. Listen to Talk 1370 anytime, anywhere with the all-new Radio.com app. Check your phone's app store or visit Talk1370.com slash app. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. Ah, we're talking with Cody Wilson. He's the most dangerous guy on the internet. He just gave you all the plans. He just... Just laid it out. It's on DefCAD. That's DefCAD.com. 
all the plans. You want to build your AR-15. You want to build a VZ-58. You want to build an AR-10. You want to build a Liberator. You want to build that DAPMS-308, that DDAR-15, 80% lower, turn that into the 100% lower. You want to you want to make your own Ghost Gunner, too. And that's DEFCAD, D-E-F-C-A-D. You want to build a 1911. You want to build a, a Beretta M9. You want to do all that at home inside your living room. That's why I just bought that Beretta M9, Mike, that, that went to you. I'm remodeling. I've been playing with it too. You understand? Like mm-hmm. I'm taking the dimensions off of that off of that component, and I'm making sure that the models are accurate. You know, like that's that's my work now. Like we do. So big- you, I, and I noticed. I told I told my employees that I said, "You mean I said Cody just got this gun in, you know, on transfer, and I I tell you, you know, there's a reason he picked this gun because he's doing something with it." Yeah, I'm, that's what I do with every gun, right? I I don't have a, a real relationship with guns other than uh, you know harvesting. Because you're really not a gun guy. The data. <laughs> if you don't know, you just like me. They don't know. I'm not. I'm really not a gun guy. You know, I just. It's all about freedom. It's all about knowledge. I I believe that what we're doing now is this is an important potential institution for the gun culture. Right. Right. Lots of professional and amateur engineers alike will participate here. Gunsmiths will be here. But really, I I enjoyed. Building the platform, throwing the government off of it. Why is this so big? Why is this a big deal for Cody Wilson to win this fight against the federal government? The federal government says, man, we're okay, we're out of it. Fine. You can you can have it. Why is this such a big deal? Uh, no, first of all, this is the only state in the world that gives you a, a free and clear access to the right to keep and bear arms. So for this state to then also say... Until January when some things are going to change. By proxy, the state is saying you also have the right to, to build the arms and then... By proxy, proxy, they're saying, of course, you have the right to traffic in the information for building the arms. And we're, we know that we're an Internet culture now. We're a global Internet culture. So that uh, when one of these files is up irrevocably in the public domain, it will always be there for perpetuity. People will be able to download it anywhere. Why do you think the federal government gave in? Why they cave in? Why now? It was a bad First Amendment case. Like once they started finally having to argue on the merits, we spent like three years just on procedural, you know, like, Intermediate, like introductory stuff. Do you think this changed because of who's in president, who's in the White House? That now? meme's being floated, and that might be why I get more press like this week because the New York Times took that angle, for example. Right. But, but no, the Trump DOJ, as you know here, has been just as bad on every federal gun case that we care about. Right. Mm-hmm. They denied. They denied a certain bender up, and you know they fought um, Medina. They fought Cantor. They fought Mance here in Texas. I mean, the Trump DOJ does not love gun cases at all. Has never changed an Obama position on them. It was just that the since these organizations are on autopilot, by the time they finally got to arguing this case of mine on the merits in Austin, it was such a bad First Amendment case. Like, we all are going to talk about this in terms of the Second Amendment because that's what we care about, but this was a pure First Amendment case. Does a person have the right to take data that they generate on their own and share mm. it with, with people on the Internet, especially if their interest is in committing it to the public domain? The government can't stand in front of that and say, no, you have to ask us permission. That's an impermissible prior restraint of speech. All right, so our, our call-in number is 512-643-LIVE at 512-643-5483. Come and talk it. Let's go to line one. You're on with Come and Talk It. Mike, you there? I'm here. Hey, man, you told me uh, on the chat to call in, so I'm here, man. All right, so what are we talking about, Tom? What are we talking about? Um, Texas grassroots gun rights. What are we talking about? Well, with that, we've got a lot of these... Uh, hearings uh, coinciding with the uh, 44 pages of anti-gun proposals that the uh, uh, Governor Abbott is um, would like to see uh, come into fruition. Thankfully, um, a lot of our heroes that went to the um, Republican Party of Texas convention 
um, set in place some opposition to that, but uh, we are definitely still seeing uh, these hearings and are definitely under attack and at risk to even falling further down the steps as we are currently ranked 28th in the nation on gun rights and we are vastly dropping and that's strangely under a completely controlled Republican majority in every office. So um, interesting stuff happening with that. All right. So you said that Cody shredded the lid to Pandora's box. Why do you say that? Yes. Because, you know, yes, I, I get opened, excited when you say Pandora's that's box. That's a compliment, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. He's a hero. Um, Why is he a hero? Because uh, he, 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 it, it can't ever be put back in. They could try to legislate against it later. They can try uh, things, but the technology exists. It's out there. And it's only going to get better and better. And with his case that he's thankfully stuck with for the past three years, he solidified everything that we believed in and knew that he could accomplish, and it, it happened. And uh, that lid can never be crafted to go back on it to um, um, hide in the closet what he unleashed. All right, and, so we're, uh, what we're talking about, Cody, we're saying that you're, the federal government said, you know what, the people, you know, they don't have a right to access uh, the – the plans for making a firearm. No, they were that's what they said before. They they couldn't make that argument. They know Americans have the right to the to the information. They were trying to say that I didn't have the right to post it without their permission. So the American people had the right to the information, but you couldn't post it online. Right. So that was a bottlenecking. But now, hmm. basically, even if Oprah gets elected in twenty twenty, right, and they decide, yeah, oh, we don't like this anymore, any of our, the data that we publish on DefCAD and anywhere else is there is in the public domain forever. And this has been authorized by the State Department. This isn't just like okay, we're going to stop fighting you. This is the government literally in my settlement saying, we're going to give you a specific authority to put this stuff into the public domain. Black letter law, you are now authorized to do the exact thing that you were that you're saying you wanted to do. This is better than me like winning in court and getting a negative power enforced against the government. This is the State Department being like, all right, okay, you're licensed to do this now. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm, okay. I'm protected. I'm given a legal monopoly. And they can't change their mind later on uh, when another well, president fine. comes Maybe in the Maybe they office. take the legal monopoly away from me, right? Okay. Any of the data that I published in the meantime under the, the monopoly is considered public domain for the rest of the time. Because once it's there, it's theirs forever. Under ITAR 121, public domain is, materials are accepted from the ITAR. How do you get things into the public domain? Okay. You're looking at it. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I'm just, you know, I, I just want to make sure that people understand it, you know, like no, they're three years old. I, I don't know that I understand it. I, I don't know why it happened, but I know that we might have to have this fight again when it's like laser gun season or whatever. But for now, all the, all the IP related to guns that anyone cares about, you can commit irrevocably to the commons. For the now, how does this culture. relate to the crypto wars of 1990? Well, it ends up being the same fight. So the, the government used the ITAR that we're talking about to say that public key encryption PGP, the thing that actually, the code that actually makes encryption, to, pre to prevent the public from getting it, they said, well, you don't have the right to share such code. Um, and so what did Bernstein do? Bernstein went to the Ninth Circuit and said, no, I have the right to share the exact same argument. It's just that we're talking about a different type of thing on a different uh, list on the United States munitions list. What's unique about my case is that uh, they got to make metaphorical arguments in the past, like, well, encryption, you know, that's not the same as guns. Okay, these are guns. Guns are the same as guns. And uh, even so, the government recognized that we have a speech interest in, in sharing stuff about the, this culture and that we practice. Now, who's your uh, the co-plaintiffs in this case? I was joined by the Second Amendment Foundation, uh, Alan Gottlieb, uh, and of course we got uh, Alan Gura. What greatest. about the NRA? Well, hold on now. Let me say a word about Alan Gura, the, the greatest Second Amendment attorney that, sure, that sure. there is who Absolutely. won Heller McDonald. And we have Josh Blackman here of Texas as well. 
and a, a powerful export attorney, Matthew Goldstein. What's funny is, like, when I saw the New York Times piece, uh, Brady and Gabby Gifford's group and all these groups were so caught off guard. They didn't see this coming, right? It was all handled in secret. The settlement was negotiated in secret over many months. Um, they filed a me- uh, like emergency FOIA request to see, like, what did the NRA do? How did the NRA do this? The NRA had no involvement. The NSSF had no involvement. Uh, I'm not denigrating them. I'm just saying uh, our gun control opponents don't even have the vocabulary to understand how to oppose what just happened to them. All right, so John Sullivan says, can Cody make use of the blockchain to further distribute his material and make sure it's always available for those who do not yet have it? Of course. Um, but, of course, John Sullivan can make use of the blockchain for the same. See, I've, I've built a platform now, John, where you can download and mirror everything that I've got. There can be 100 different uh, cases of the same. People that use Factum, for example, here in Texas, or people that use the Alexandria concept. You're saying, you know, stop waiting for someone else to do it. Yeah, you're, brother, you're free. Brother, yeah, you get to it you know freedom it's hard i was teaching i was talking to a class today and i and i was telling him some stuff and i said okay you know what do you think about that and they were like silent i say yeah freedom is hard you don't understand freedom when you get it i'll say though that i understand there's a question within his question which is well how do we know that this data like how how do we know that an isp won't block the site or you know there won't be other gatekeepers that try to keep us from this information i think that's uh that's wise to like be in that frame of mind but the important legal blockade or whatever is over. Uh, and this, of course, we know the Internet. The Internet routes around censorship frequently. So I don't actually feel the need to build a blockchain-based thing. That's kind of, that's a little extra for me. Keeping a simple site up, um, keeping using clouds like Amazons and stuff, that's all that's really going to be necessary here, I believe. All right, so tell us a little bit about your library you got. Oh, yeah, you saw that? I saw that. You're playing games with me, man, because you're acting like you didn't, you didn't see that. Uh, yeah, so I've, I'm doing all this other stuff now that I have this free and clear access. I'm digitizing all the old Army field manuals and technical manuals, which are in microfilm. They've never been digitized, never been indexed. You, ha- you have to end up being a library to get access to a lot of this material. It doesn't circulate to the public. Um, I'm, I'm becoming WikiLeaks for guns, Mike, which was my original plan, right? When I started 3D printing guns, I called them Wiki weapons, right? Like, it's, it's exactly how I thought it would be, like in those first co- uh, talks that you came and saw at UT. It's working exactly the way that the crypto anarchists said it would. There will be liquid markets of information for firearms of every stripe, both in their manufacture and their specifications. And now we'll, we'll create the substance for the collaborative production of guns we've never even seen before. That's what I'm most excited about. This is a this becomes not just a platform, but a propulsive force for, for organization and startups and guns that could beforehand not really be because they wouldn't have had the requisite content uh, to collaborate together. This, this is like a libertarian paradise that you're describing right here. I'm loving it. With Bitcoin and guns, these are important pillars in the libertarian utopias to come, probably. <laughs> it's just, you know, he's just, you know, I don't know what to say. Well, you can say thanks. <laughs> 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 no, Mike, of course I should thank take you. Him, after this, we're going to take him out for a drink. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. We're going to give you, we, we're going to get you drunk. I should, I should, of course, thank you. you. You believed in me for a long time. The people at UT believed in me. We, we stuck in and dug in for a long time here. Built a, built a little company here selling mills, and you helped me sell that mill on your radio show. And It was literally selling those mills that, that paid the bills to, to get this. It's this funny system. because uh, you know, people, they, they call us, they ask us a ton of questions, and they're like, and they, and they still, you know, they're like, okay, well, we're going to go to, you know, we're going to go to DD and buy it from DD. They won't buy it from me. They're still going to buy it from you. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're going to wait in line. Uh, Do you not know I can get you're it You're my for worst you? distributor. Yeah, I am. I really am. We're talking with Cody Wilson. We're talking about this huge victory we're talking about freedom this is michael cargill and you are listening to come and talk the 
This is Colin on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. So with this rule change, their win entails, and we're talking about defense distributed here, it has removed a legal threat to not only its project, but an entire online community of DIY gun makers, do-it-yourself guns. So Cody Wilson basically says, you know what? Gun control is dead. You got to, you, you, you have this, uh, what do you call it? Tombstone. Tombstone. Mm-hmm. You actually have the real tombstone. Yeah, I, I actually I buried it all right if you want to see it. You buried a tombstone. Well, I, I placed You it. actually buried gun control. Right. <laughs> you told the pod kids gun control's dead. Your fights go home, go back to Florida. It's, You're done. This is what we call symbolic obligation. It's important to go through processes like this to symbolically challenge your enemy. Cody Wilson has buried the um he's buried gun control. He mm-hmm. says gun control is dead. Hold that up to the camera so they can see that. Now obviously do I do I believe that liberals won't uh, you know Will, will they continue to pass laws against guns? Of course, I understand that this will happen, and that gun control is an ongoing program. You can do whatever you want in the hearts but, of men. But if I can sit at my uh, sit in my house and build whatever I want to build, this is a, this is a deep symbolic gun control is here. dead. How can you come and unbury what I have just buried? Wow, <laughs> wow! He actually has a tombstone. He has buried gun control. I think I'm going to go there. I'm going to lay next to the tombstone, taking a couple steps. It's out of the place, man. People will come and leave shop? things. Yeah, people will come and leave things. This has already begun happening. Like I joked about it happening. <laughs> it's already happening. Some guy left. The, I don't even know who this is. They left the thing, and it said, like, liberal tears. And it's like a jar. It's like two-thirds full. I love it. I love it. There's a little American uh, flag that they put out by it. It's great. Oh, my goodness. Gun a control is dead. Site, a pilgrimage site. What do we do? <laughs> what do we do? I, I think people should understand, like, Look, you can, you can download gun files now. That's just a part of life. Guns are downloadable. And any gun control conversation is going to always have to stipulate this fact. Now, that might help you on some days. That might help, not help you. But, like, you got it now. It's part of the constellation of reality. And maybe it always was, but in a very, like, a legal, official way, uh, you got it now. There's nothing they can do to take that away from you. Ladies and gentlemen, a moment of silence. Gun control is dead. <laughs> I gave a little ceremony. I really did, did because you? you know what? I'm not a. I'm you not didn't a sore. invite me. Oh my god! You, I, I love praise the just, Lord. It was just with our company. They had, they had worked many years for this. I'm an ordained you know. minister. We'll do something public. We'll okay. do something public at some. And point. I gotta come there. I, I need to say a prayer. But I'm not a sore winner, right? Right. I'm, not, I'm gonna show grace in victory, and I'm not gonna be cruel to the corpse of gun control. <laughs> I'm gonna show it honor. You know, I come from an honor culture, and I even feel a little bad that it died the way it did because I don't think it saw it coming. They're a good foe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're good folks. <Yeah. laughs> you know, one of her opponent. It's uh well anyway, you're gonna see me getting a little bit more trouble apparently this week, but why? Uh, well, I don't know. They're they're starting it they're starting it back up, the whole talk what do you about mean? It. You know, they're starting like a Trump meme about it and stuff. I think they want it to be they want people to be more mad about it than because it kind of slid through last week because of Kavanaugh. You kept and, it a secret. You know I gotta get I gotta hand it off to you. You kept it a secret. You wouldn't even yeah. tell me. You didn't even slip up. Hey, man. And I tried to get you drunk was, and tell you. I was worried. And tell me. I was worried. Yeah. I, I I liquored you up a little bit and you still wouldn't leak it. Yeah. So yeah. I should have should have brought a secret. I should have brought in Don't a couple prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I got nothing to say. <laughs> no comment. No, but thank you, man, for it it feels like it's come full circle to some degree to come here and tell you about it and, and walk through it with you. And you know this was this began in Austin and to some degrees it's now concluded here. It's, it's uh, 
And the world just just doesn't understand how big this really is. Well, it doesn't have to because it'll just be there, you know. And at some point, people will just assume it always was this way. So do I have to pay an ITAR fee or not? <laughs> if you're going to be a manufacturer of firearms, you're still expected to pay an ITAR registration Ugh. fee because they they govern the actual export of arms. Like, you know, no, you can't mail. But I'm not exporting. You can't. Well, but you might. And that's the whole point. I'm not going to. Well, look, I'm not the government. I'll sign Don't a fight statement. I'll get it notarized. <laughs> Don't fight with me about it. Uh, when when somebody's Air 15 ends up in you know Kurdistan, uh, this is this is how we know. Uh, now I'm not saying it that's should be a, this way. That's because the Obama administration. <laughs> okay, not it, because of me. It literally is. So like it when, really is. when you do like when you do send these guns over, it ain't the CIA. It's it's gun manufacturers like you oh. with a special State Department license. No, this is how it's done. See, uh, and you just don't talk about it. And then when mm. it's inconvenient, you burn you burn the. You're a manufacturer like Obama did to that guy in uh, in Syria. Oh, yeah. No, see, I'm not that guy. Cash your government check until it's until they change the government. Oh, know? not that guy. Can right, the so government you- step in at some point later and change their mind and say, hey, anybody that wants to make a gun is considered a manufacturer and you need all this special licensing. Can they come back and kind of backtrack on that and make this illegal? So this is a nation of laws, apparently. <laughs> and the manufacture of guns is regulated under Title 18. So manufacturing means being in the business of making and selling guns. Americans have always, as long as there's been America, have always been able to make a gun free and clear, no problems, no questions. Now, some states want to introduce, well, you got to tell us about it when you make the gun. But that's a different question. The, I'm saying the federal government doesn't even have the position to come in and say, no, we're going to redefine you as a manufacturer. That would take an act of Congress. That would take a landmark Supreme Court decision-making and an act of Congress you, you can't have an executive from any configuration then say, hey, I'm going to have my ATF reclassify what manufacturing means. It doesn't work that way. It's statutory. So it's more set in stone than, say, like the, the bump stock ruling where the Obama's ATF basically approved it and now— Oh, and by the way, there's another company selling the bump stocks. All oh, the employees good. from the—that from the, uh, one company went to another company, and I talked to the, uh, the people that work for this company. They're going to come on the radio show. We're going to chat with them a little bit. But not, they all switched to a different company. Not to get lost on bump stocks. I, I think it's a scandal what happened there because it, it is the ATF getting away with just saying like, and this is also a machine gun, which is, it's in bad faith. That's not what the definitions of machine gun have meant. And they're just getting away with it under political pressure. But because it's a, it's scapegoating, right? Because that, the slide stock or the bump stock is such a novelty uh, and no one really cares about it. The, everyone, Nobody's going to stand up for it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, but if if they cared, maybe they could fight it themselves. Maybe they plan to. I don't know. Okay, what's this new this new machine you have? It's cost like thirty two thousand dollars. This optical, what is it called? Yeah. It's a comparator, optical comparator. Okay, what is that? It's um, it <laughs> you it has a mercury lamp, and you can take artifacts and magnify them. You're probably optically. shocked the fact that I know how much it costs. Well, it's in the article. Oh, okay, I, I know that you read it. So <laughs> I got a hidden camera. I'm, sh- in your I'm place. shocked that you're literate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. Because he's black. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's truly amazing, folks. I'm I'm literally watching it happen right now. He's he's not even he's not even sub vocalizing. He's not even reading the words with his lips. It's all happening here. Um, <laughs> so it can optically magnify. All right. It can and what's everything old is new again, right? So what's the what's the most high tech stuff in digital uh, a digital radical company like mine? Right. Ancient analog technology. <laughs> <laughs> So I take this stuff, you take these big analog things so you can do small digital things, you know? And this is really what's required. This is a portal for me taking accurate measurements off of very small features on, like, lowers for ARs or, like, uh, you know, pins and things like that. Stuff so this is to make sure that your plans actually work. It's to, know, it's to make sure, it's to standardize. 
Now you know when you come to DefCAD, you're not just getting a pile of garbage 3D printed files like you did, you know, five years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you something that you know is toleranced out to four decimal places, right? I'm giving you something that I, I combed over uh, with optical techniques and other and other tolerancing techniques because I got a real, you know, you. I mean, we're talking now. about stuff that barely works, or just you know what it. I'm talking about like now when you down when you go right now it's the wild west in digital models you go download a 308 lower right you have no you're, you don't know until you try to make it that this is garbage it wasn't tolerance it, it doesn't stack up right I'm giving you prints I'm giving you models that are based on tolerances I'm giving you stuff that you know dead nuts nat's ass it works you know that's important because there's sure there's models out there but there's not machine shop quality or engineer quality models and I'm trying to give you a certain standard and also give a standard that people should. Uh, I mean, but seriously, is, is this stuff all going to match up? You know, the screw is going to fit. I'm telling um, you. Is it going to work right? It's properly? one to one. Is, get, do I have to just push it to make it, it fix? If it's on my table I, and I digitize it, that's a faithful reproduction of what I was looking at. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like whatever I describe it as, that's a, on, in that picture, that's an AR9. That's a mm-hmm. New Frontier Army AR9 frame. I'm giving you that, that model. You know, that's exactly what he's working with, too. So that if you want to design a part for that. You want to integrate in with that? Yeah, you know it'll fit. You know it'll work, and you save time on. You're not reverse engineering yourself. You so know? can I? <clears throat> so basically, can I build an, an M9 using your your files, and then go buy an M9? Of course. And then take those take of those course. two guns apart, and then switch the parts out, and they'll work right. As you understand, though, as a gun manufacturer, you know Beretta has many generations of the M9. Correct. Different versions of the M9. Correct. What's going to be required in the end is an, an encyclopedic approach to being like, well, this is an M9A1, or this is an M9S2, or whatever. I mean, the worst one is the 308. Of course, DPMS patterns, and now yes. they've, they've deprecated Gen 1, they're going yes. to Gen 2. it's a mess. All of this must be contained in one or in a, a series of platforms and to where you at least know, okay, I'm referencing off. Because right now, you're Gen only 1. doing the DPMS 308 version. That's right, and we're looking at Gen 2. And, but the, the important point is you will have a resource where you can be like, what is this model? Ah, I see it as a DPMS Gen 1. Well, I don't want that. I want a Gen 2, right? This saves you time, whereas otherwise, you'd just be out there in the wilderness. So this is, this is something that helps our, our, our culture in the long run. Okay, we got people going to your website right now. Good, buy an up. M1911 jig set. It's free. Buy an AR15 jig set. Buy an AR308 jig set. Oh, on Ghost Gunner. Sure. Yeah, they're making it happen right now as we speak. Look, see, I'm a bad businessman. I didn't even tell you how you could give me money yet. All right, <laughs> so how? Do, where do we go? Uh, you, oh, you can join defdist.org. You can join my company now. What Def, is that? Defense Distributed. Defdist? Yeah, you can join. D-E-F-D-I-S-T uh-huh, dot org. O-R-G. You can okay. become a member. You, you like what you're hearing on the radio. You want to support it. Uh, I'm now selling memberships because what has the NRA done for you lately? Anyway. So did the, <laughs> did the NRA help you in no, your case? No, they didn't. Well, they helped me in so much as like they existed, and I don't want to. So I, the NRA didn't help you? Well, I don't want to fight them on this. I'm not saying it wasn't fight, fight. I'm just asking. But did the NRA help you? Let's, they, they didn't. But let's make an important point. Most of the important Second Amendment judicial victories we care about weren't initiated or won by the NRA. There's different organizations for different things. So they didn't help you? Okay. They didn't help me, Mike. But you know what? <laughs> no, they didn't but, send any attorneys. But now that the people you. have a taste for it, maybe they'll help us now. You think they'll jump in on the bandwagon? Maybe, uh, maybe they'll pretend that even they got us this victory. And you know what? I'm fine with that. You okay with that? Hey, as long as we got it. We're talking with Cody Wilson. He's the most dangerous guy on the internet. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace, this is Maj Touré. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Talk 1370, the right choice. 
Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Not no place. Ah, it's called Defense Distributed. That's right, where all the plans are. It's called DefCAD. Got all the plans to make your own gun. Make your AR-15. Make a 308. Make yourself a 1911. Make yourself an M9. Go to DefCAD.com and check it out. Get the plans. Download those plans and just sit at home and just build your own gun. That's what we're talking about. Freedom, baby. It's all about freedom. America. Gotta love it. <laughs> gun control is dead. Gone. See ya. History. Nine. Out of here. Been buried. We got the tombstone to prove it. <laughs> got the tombstone to prove it. Gun control is dead. You're done. All right, so Felicia, tell us about this event that's coming up on Saturday. Yeah, so it, <laughs> you know, I don't really know what else to say about it. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, it, I mean, it's a, it's a great leadership and networking event. Um, the most it'll cost you to show up is $10. That's if you're not a YR member um, or a member of any of our sponsoring organizations. And we live in the People's Republic of Austin. Mm-hmm. It's really nice to come together and spend time with people who think like you and believe like you and have conversations with them and realize, okay, I'm not crazy. I'm not, I may be the minority here in Austin, but I'm not the minority here in Texas. And, and, and that's what young Republicans all is all about. It's about networking. It's about, you know, meeting your peers, having someone to talk to invent to, and um, getting to hang out with our elected officials, ask questions see what we have coming up in the 2019 ledge session, see what they're anticipating for the November midterms. There's just a lot happening where we're going to talk about organizing resistance efforts for the $925 million bond that Austin city council is putting on the ballot in November. Shame. Mind you, this is one year, exactly one year after we passed a billion dollar AISD school bond. I don't know about you, but I already can't afford my rent. Um, And so if we keep, Raising taxes via bonds, I mean, Austin already has an affordability issue. So we're just going to be talking about what's going on, what we can do about it, and getting people motivated because there seems to be some lacking. People seem to be lacking some motivation recently. All right. And and so when is this event again? It is July 21st. Starts at 1030, goes all day, followed by a happy hour. Um, and you can go to Hill Co yr.org slash summit and that's h-i-l-l-c-o-y-r.org slash summit and all the information is there all right so janai you've been gone for a few weeks we've missed you so you know where have you been what's been going on with you i have been recovering from surgery okay what kind of surgery is this um I had uh, what I thought was a typical female problem, and then I had a very large cyst on my ovary. But why do you say typical female problem? Um, it happens a lot, uh, and it's not any particular age group. A very, very large percentage of women get cysts on their ovaries, and sometimes they rupture on their own, and sometimes um, they do watchful waiting, and sometimes they continue to grow, um, as is what happened to me. Um, it got rather large, and uh, 
Unfortunately, they don't have very good diagnostic testing to determine if you have ovarian cancer. So mine was so large that it became problematic and I had to get surgery. And upon being opened up for surgery, they did a biopsy and learned that I had ovarian cancer in both of my ovaries. Oh, wow. So I had to have my ovaries, my uterus, my lymph nodes, my appendix, and my omentum removed. Oh, wow. Everything. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I still don't know what stage cancer it was. I'll find that out on Thursday. And so I'm going to be trying. If I if I come out clean on this, I will literally feel like I've won the lottery. Why do you say if you come out clean? Well, because I don't know what stage it was. And okay. what I'm getting at is um, the numbers are 1 in 75 women will develop ovarian cancer. Mm. And of the women that develop ovarian cancer, because they don't have diagnostic testing, early detection... Only 20% of women that are diagnosed are diagnosed early enough for survival. Mm. So the others, it's caught so late that the survival rate is only about five years. Um, I believe mine was caught early enough. I still don't have a definitive answer on that. I'll know that Thursday, so I'm crossing my fingers. Um, and uh, if it was, then I'm going to try to really do a lot of advocacy work and help raise money um, because this is not limited to an age. It's it's women all across, and it's almost a death sentence if you get ovarian cancer because they just don't know how to detect it early enough. So how, you know, how do you feel? How do I feel right now? Right now. I'm healing. I certainly feel better than prior to my surgery. The last month prior to my surgery, this was a four-month ordeal for me. It took so long to get... Um, tested, figure out what was wrong, et cetera, et cetera, get the right doctor, get the surgery scheduled. It took four and a half months. And I, towards the end, I was literally in, on a scale of one to 10, a 10 on pain. Wow. A lot. It was bad. And I, so for a female to say a 10 on pain, that's a lot. It, for any, I could tell you, I can attest I've had a child. It was Because a, a man says 10, you're just like, you know, you're a wimp. You know, but when a female says 10 that's a lot of pain. It was far worse than childbirth. Hmm. I've had a child and I didn't have any, any. I had her natural, no numbing or any of any sort, and it was far worse than You're that. You're hardcore. It was bad. So what's frightening is, just to give you an example of how poorly they detect this, I had four blood tests, three ultrasounds, one MRI, and one CT scan, and nothing picked up cancer. Yeah. Nothing. It wasn't until they literally cut me open on oh, the table. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Okay. So I had to go into the surgery. I actually thought, all right, well, I've had all this. They didn't pick up cancer. Oh, surely I probably don't. And you're thinking, you know, well, I'm okay. I'm, okay. I'm in the clear. They're just going to have to remove this cyst. And I'm, then when I woke up, you know, I, I, I... That's scary. It's very frightening. All the, the pre-tests, there was nothing there until they went in and actually did the surgery. And that's what I'm that's saying. That's scary. That's that why really scary. so many women die because there's no way to, there's not a very good method for testing this until it's too late. And where do we think this comes from? You know, I've read that um, high estrogen levels causes this. And, and if you look out there in the world, so many things, especially that females use. And, and I was actually reading an article on how testosterone levels are declining in males nowadays mm. and that could be from all the estrogen out there in the world so plastics perfume cosmetics 
a lot of things have estrogens. There's got to be something causing this because it's not limited to someone my age. There's 16-year-old girls having large cysts. I I, I actually met a, uh, a young man that was friends with a girl because he knew I had this problem. And she's a student at UT. And he, he, he said, oh, my God, my friend is having that surgery. Hers ended up not being cancer. But she had a cyst the size of a small watermelon. Aye. That's what I'm talking about. Like, this is a big problem. Um, and and most- for you to be able to talk about this, because that's a lot. You know, that's a lot to have removed. It is. I I, I was shocked when I woke up. Um, I really, like, even with all the... Because you didn't find out until after you woke up what they had to remove from you. Yeah, and I was under the impression going into the surgery because I had all those, not the blood tests, um, the MRI, the CT scan, the, the ultrasounds. They never picked up a cyst on my ovary. So the whole entire time, I he, he said, unless there's cancer, we won't have to remove your other ovary. You can keep it. And so going into it, I thought, all right, I can at least keep my right ovary. And then when I woke up, I felt what I did first was because I, I knew he said, because when going into it, he said, your surgery is going to be anywhere from two hours to 14 hours. The worst case scenario will be 14 hours. Mine ended up being four and a half. Wow. Um, but um, so when I woke up, finally, the first thing I did was feel myself because he had told me if it's worst case, I'm going to have to make a big incision down your abdomen. Mm. And, and so I felt and I was like, OK, I got out of this pretty good. And then he came in the room and and he said, okay, well, and he started telling me what he removed. And I was like, but there was never anything on my right ovary. And he's like, no, there ended up being a very large cyst on your right ovary too. Mm. And and I'm sitting here baffled. Like we have all these diagnostic tests and none of them meant anything. And that's why so many women die from that. If they get ovarian cancer, it's just caught way too late. I am so thankful for the pain that I had now because if I didn't have that horrendous, horrific pain, I would have not rushed to the hospital. Mm. And how? who knows how long this would have been in, and then it could have metastasized. Ovarian cancer, unfortunately, metastasizes very quickly, meaning it spreads very fast. Mm. Um, if I didn't have that horrible pain, I would have not rushed because I didn't miss a... A, a cycle. An, I, did, I didn't miss... Not only that, I didn't miss an annual uh, uh, exam. Mm. I've always been very uh pro taking care of myself so i i was doing i was doing everything i was supposed to be doing wow and then and it doesn't run in my family so i never but if thank god i had the pain because that's how i found out what was going on oh, wow and <laughs> so you lost like a lot of weight i did um i knew i was losing weight because towards the end i could hardly eat anything it was putting so much pressure on my abdomen that i was probably eating less than 500 calories a day it just hurt too much to eat. Um, but I kept gaining weight, and I knew these cysts are usually fluid-filled, so I was like, it's got to be the cyst. Um, and sure enough, right the morning after surgery when I got home, I weighed myself, and I was eight pounds lighter just from the surgery. So I know the cyst wow. had to be at least yeah, that's seven That's pretty to eight. big. That's, it's, I had three, so that's pretty wow. big. <laughs> yep. Oh, wow. That's, you're, 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 you're a champion. So That's a lot to deal with. That's a lot. So, yeah, I'm crossing my fingers for Thursday. And so hopefully when you go back Thursday, what's supposed what's supposed to happen? They'll tell me what stage I was and if I need chemotherapy, if I need any other type of treatment, or if it was a stage four, then it's pretty much I don't know what to say. <laughs> and what do you have for the ladies out there that are listening? What, what advice do you have for them? I would tell them the first thing I would say for the life of me, I don't know why during a routine pap smear doctors don't do a vaginal ultrasound because that is the first time that 
I ever had one done, and that was the first way they diagnosed me having a cyst to begin with. Um, and oftentimes women don't have symptoms, so I would say to every woman, whenever you get your routine pap smear, demand that he does a vaginal ultrasound because if you have a cyst, he can at least de determine if it looks cancerous. All right, so we talk more than just guns here. We talk about guns, we talk about the vads, we talk about everything. <laughs> this is Michael Cargill. As always, more guns equals less crime. Go out and buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.